Hello everybody and welcome to Turalura. Josh, don't Woo, you just yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Don't you just miss festivals right now? I miss fucking everything right now. Oh, I'm looking out all. the window and the sun is shining straight in my face and That must be absolutely lovely for you. Yeah, and we don't have that. Shh. Stop ruining my intro. I'm gonna say it. I'm sorry. I'm he imagining. He has this rehearsed, folks. Let's give oh. him his moment. Christian, take it away. Ima- I'm imagining <laughs> that I'm lying on on a field of grass, being licked by the sun. <laughs> this is getting weird. The summer weather is just caressing my skin, and I can hear lovely tunes from up the road. And I get up. I put the hurley back into the tent and I walk out of the field and up the road and no. up to up to Shorts Bar and I sit down and I get a pint of Guinness and I'm playing tunes. This that has become is what I miss. This has become the fecal festival instead <laughs> of just a festival. Well Things escalated co- quickly there. It could have been any festival. It could have been, uh, I don't know, electric picnic or t- not that I've been there. Or it could have been uh, a festival in Oslo. Less fields and less tunes. More uh, more lager, less Guinness, more tss, tss, let, less yep. diddly eye. But still, like... Any the, festival. The feeling is real. The, the, I miss going to a festival with loads of people. And specifically, I miss trad festivals. Mm-hmm. I miss being places where people are playing tunes all around me all the time. I know how you feel, oh. in fairness. Like, despite... Sorry, I'm eating a pancake here. <laughs> despite... Um, Despite COVID and all that's going on, it is in fact festival season. I don't know what it's like over in Norway at the moment, but there's fake all festivals going on here at home. But there has been some gigs. There was a gig there with Gavin James on the weekend in Dublin, in Kilmainham. And it seemed to go well. They turned the whole place into what looked like a cattle mart to me with separate pods for each person. (laughs) And uh, I hope that we develop from that going forward. But I suppose it's a start, as people keep saying. And we're well on the way. But people enjoyed the concert. Sharon Shannon also played Gavin James and a rake of other people who I can't remember. But the gig seemed to go well. And I saw clips and it looked like fun. And just hearing the sound of the people in the crowd singing along kind of gave me chills because I was like, this is happening. We're getting yeah. there. We're, we're at a point now where hearing bad mobile phone audio recordings of live music is better than hearing actual recordings of stuff mm-hmm. just because oh, i miss it so much and there's a reason why i'm i'm bringing this up uh we're talking about a festival related song today but b- but before we get into all of that uh let's do the um, the knock knock housekeeping part of the show um, my name is Christian, uh, your name is Josh, we are Turalura, a podcast where we explore folk songs, primarily from the 
Celtic world as so we far. speak so, so far. far, but we are very interested in looking into anything that has anything to do with folk music. And if you have any suggestions for what we could do, who we should talk to, or what we should talk about, then you can contact us on Podcast at gmail.com. That's Tura with two O's, Lura with two O's, podcast with one O, and then the at, and then the gmail, and then the dot, and the com. And the com has one O. And you can find us on Instagram. You can DM us, you can tag us, you can tag us in stories. Uh, if you just find us on at Tura Lura Podcast. This is a festival heavy episode, folks. So send on all of that festival info, your festival stories, oh, your favorite yes. festivals, your favorite this and your favorite that. Your favorite people. What's the mad shit that's happened to you at festivals? Because me and Christian have a few interesting stories. <laughs> we've, some, gone, some, we've gone some through some interesting moments. Definitely some mad shit. Festival stories, folks. Send them on. Yes. Voicemails, writing, yes, pictures. Yes, yes. If All that good you, stuff. Chocolate you, pancakes. <laughs> oh my god. If you want to if you want to tell them in person, you can you can just go into that record app on your phone. Every phone has them and you can press that big red button and you can tell us the story. And better yet, if you're at a festival somewhere around the world and it doesn't have to be specifically a music fest, it can be a ren fair, it can be a Highland Games, it can be anything. If you're at some sort of festival cosplay oh just (laughs) press that big red button and give us a taste of that feeling of being at the festival Mm -hmm. and send it to relure podcast at gmail.com while we're at it facebook just type into the search bar to relure and click the thing that is the podcast and not the children's clothes brand or you can go facebook.com slash podcast and you'll find us and that is it for socials and you can find us on every streaming platform for podcasts more or less and you can review us on a fair few of them at least apple podcast and you can click subscribe or follow or whatever the service provides you with of options but yes please follow us everywhere we are here for you we hope that you are there for us regardless of where you are around the world ah (laughs) what's your favorite festival moment christian my favorite festival moments ever Mm. that's that's a hard one i i think I'm going to have to go with music-wise. I think my favorite my favorite festival moment would have to be inside in Shorts Bar. Um, maybe the time that I sung um, Daryl Skibbereen a cappella and uh, some old nanny uh, like an, a nana came like a proper Irish grandmother came over and and like rubbed my shoulder and said like that that was great that that was a great moment but I also have a fantastic what ne- other teenager would have that as one of their top moments <laughs> that, that was that was absolutely fantastic and I was <laughs> 18 at the time 19 you're a, you're a rare yeah. breed 
<laughs> I know who I am. Uh, but um, I also have a fantastic memory of yourself and myself eating chicken burgers from um, a van oh, yeah. in Fiechel. The van outside of, whatchamacallit, Peppers. Yeah. Yeah, the burger van. I have to admit, they were some of the best chicken burgers I've ever had in my life. It probably, like, they... If they went head to head with some of the hipster burgers we've had recently and we did like a blind test, they probably wouldn't win. But the <laughs> moment and the timing and the and I know it doesn't have anything specifically to do with playing or, li- or listening to music. But in that, like after 45 pints of Guinness <laughs> and cider. I was and about to say, I wonder if the cans above had anything to do with it. They probably did. Oh, <laughs> I also have some some bad good memories things that were bad in the moment but are great now <laughs> and we're not going to go into all of them but i <laughs> i distinctly remember lying in one room we had like we had a harry potter tent like proper small upstairs on the outside the huge huge in the on the inside yeah upstairs in the tent where we met jimmy crowley playing johnny jump up <laughs> uh, but i was lying in one room trying to sleep on on the freezing cold ground like there was a t- super thin layer of plastic between me and the ground um later the same day i got a sleeping ban- bag of uh, billy Lochnan and that helped a lot whose but dad is mentioned in the song we're about to talk about <laughs> get there. that's fantastic but yeah i i was in that one room and there was a wall and then the middle room, and then a wall, and then yourself in the other room. And I woke up listening to you going, <laughs> and then and the, and then there was an actual cow. That's why I was making the noise. I was talking to the cow. And then I, and then you you we you were mis- sharing our miseries with each other. <laughs> the cow the cow was mooing outside, and then Josh went moo, and then he said, "Cow, I feel your pain," <laughs> which must have been like I was freezing cold, and you had probably a massive hangover. Uh, uh, words hangover, um, but now I cherish that as a one of my. Best mm. festival memories ever. I was also Enough. told to shut the fuck up by someone in a neighboring <laughs> tent. That's that's also true. We Enough about me. What about you, you, Josh? Favorite festival moments? Holy Jesus! Like you said, there's so many. Um, I have a distinct memory of my first ever Willie Clancy festival when I was sixteen or seventeen, and we befriended a crowd of lads from Inishmore. And we ended up in a band with them after that for quite a while, but we won't talk about that right now. But we ended up playing tunes all week, but one particular night, we ended up on the picnic benches at Willie Clancy Week down at Spanish Point Beach at easily four or five in the morning. And there was me and three other lads standing up on the benches, playing our instruments and singing. And there must have been fucking 500 people around us on the ground <laughs> screaming and shouting and jumping and singing along. Like it was like our own private concert. <laughs> it was just legendary. Like at the age I was at at that time, 17, 18, who hadn't done a big gig before. That was my introduction. That was where I got hooked. <laughs> what but a drug. I remember sitting with you on a bench outside the pub in Fecal. Outside Maloney's shop. Yeah. 
I'm pretty sure because there was no room in any of the pubs to play tunes. Or we weren't allowed in because we had a bag of cans. <laughs> or, or something like that. Probably. So we literally just we literally just rocked up to the bench outside the pub and started playing. And a load of people stopped and listened to us. <laughs> Random enough. In terms of listening to music, one of my best memories at a festival was Mumford and Sons at the age of 18 in Salt Hill in Galway. That was feckin' incredible. It was also my big, my first big outdoor concert. That sounds amazing. I, I only saw Mumford once live and it was a decent experience. It, it was a good gig, but it was a bit disappointing. It was back in the um, Babel days, I, yeah. I, I believe. But uh, the problem was that they were going to play a relatively small venue and then it sold out and then they upgraded the venue from this this nice small venue in Oslo to the biggest venue that we have in the city center <laughs> and where the like the sound is terrible there always it's it's just uh. the worst place so it was a huge disappointment they probably it, weren't aware of that when they booked it i would say like it's not their fault it's yeah. it's the only place indoors in oslo city center yeah. that it, where you can fit like 10 or 15,000 people so i think it remains like the gig the first time i saw mumford was a ticket i got for my 18th birthday and i had been obsessed with them for 2 years at that point even to the extent like before people knew who they were i was already listening to yeah. them and uh I got to this concert and I think it might still be the only outdoor festival I've ever been to uh, in terms of like festival as in a couple of stages and rock bands and folk bands and whatever bands. But Mumford and Sons were headlining. They were running the festival and they had 10 or 12 other bands on different stages playing as well. But it's my only experience of an outdoor big festival, 10,000 people on the beach in Galway. And it was incredible, but it was right after their first album so it was in between the first and the second album which was like Mumford and Sons at the height of their folk rock careers yeah no that they were at their best in my opinion but they're still good I saw them live since then and it was amazing but you want you you want that folk band you want you want all the acoustic instruments on the stage baiting it out that first that first album was absolutely amazing and i don't start know start to finish if, yeah i don't know if how much we've told told about this story we have told a lot of origin stuff but <laughs> the first time josh and i met was literally in a classroom in a steiner school in um in a city called barum outside of oslo where where we were doing this exchange thing that we've talked about in length earlier um there's an episode have yeah, a listen there's an episode um <laughs> where we ended up i i don't remember who sat there first and who came in and sat down but but that was that was quite the moment but this was still while mumford was they were big but the, they were not completely mainstream yet and mm-hmm. we sat down and we played mumford songs together for for about like three hours or something i think i played a liar to you and you were like what the hell is that and i was like only the best song ever listen to this (laughs) oh (laughs) good times good times we had a lot of them drinking fighting dancing gambling smoking fishing helping women into hostels it was more 
There was a time when that saying was about three and a half minutes long. We we need Porik Costello in here to help us out. Maybe we should try to get Porik at some stage. Don't see why not. He's over in Spain at the minute. Last time I saw him was in Barcelona. In Barcelona. Yeah. Barcelona. Barcelona. Yeah. yeah. No, um, the song we're talking about is, and the reason why we're doing all of this whole festival spiel is that we're talking about um, Lis Dune Varna by the famous Christy Moore. This is not one of the songs that he made famous. This is one of his originals. Am I right, Josh? Cor- 100%. Correct me whenever I'm wrong, but <laughs> this is a Christy Moore original. And in many ways, I don't feel like it's... it's it doesn't. If you put it on and you don't listen to the words, it doesn't sound like a Planksty song. Or no, it's about as close song. as you'll ever get to a trad rap. It's absolutely fantastic. And the first in fact, time I've heard trad musicians do this in rap <laughs> battles. <laughs> that that's brilliant. That is <laughs> class. But to me, this song is the it's the quintessential Josh in the Celts or <laughs> Temple Bar uh, song. It's, I've been to quite a lot of, of Temple Bar gigs, uh, not half as many as yourself, but you are probably the only person, I, I, I'm not saying you're the only person that does it, but you're the only person I've heard do <laughs> this song on a regular basis in, in Temple Bar and around Dublin. What's your relationship to this song? County Clare. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm only joking, but there's a hell of a lot of references to Clare in this. And to be honest, I I knew the words of the all the words of this song since I was three years old. Like I used to go, I might have mentioned this before, but when I was three years old, where other kids would ask for bedtime stories or bedtime songs from their parents, I used to ask my mom to read me the lyric sheets from Christy Moore's albums. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe I'm a bit of a weirdo. I don't know. But yeah, my bed sure. my bedtime stories were lyric sheets from Christy Moore albums. <laughs> and this was one of my favorites. I used to always ask her to read Listum Verna or sing Listum Verna or she would sing it and I would get the book and I would read it while she was singing it and I would correct her if she was wrong. But yeah. So I have Listum Varna in my head since I was very, very young and people always ask me, how in the name of God do you remember the words? But again, I can't remember a time when I didn't know the words to this. <laughs> <laughs> that is brilliant. Well, first of all, Listum Varna is, um, it's a town in mm-hmm. County Clare. It is, according to Wikipedia, actually, it's a spa town. Yep. Of <laughs> which have the in Royal Irish, Spa Hotel. Which in Irish uh, becomes a little bit Strange, it's a spa town, <laughs> spastic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, a spa is a spa, you know. Yeah, <laughs> and it was as of 2011 uh, inhabited by no more than 739 people. Still, a hell of a lot more than Fakel, though. Um, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. it uh, comes from the Irish uh, lease Dune. Varna. Yeah. Which means so Lys, is, Lys is a type of fort. A dune is also a type of fort. And you hear these names recurring again and again and again in Irish towns, Lys and Dune. 
And then Varna, Barna, without the H, the Shevu, is the Irish word for a gap. Exactly. So Listu and Varna, it's the, the fort in the gap, I suppose, or the two forts within the gap. According to Wikipedia, Fort of the Gapped Keep. Yeah, which makes what, sense. Yeah, or does it? Maybe <laughs> a little bit. And it's kind of the gateway to the coast as well, heading up towards northwest Clare there, because the next town after Liston Varna is Doolan, and you're coming towards the sea and the beautiful west coast of County Clare that's sung about in so many timeless songs, Christian. And when you come over that hill with the sunshine and you can see the Aran Islands clearly... Oh, which is beautiful, great a beautiful mental image and just like the other towns around uh, that area um, Listun Varna used to have a festival like Doolin Folk Festival and Willie Clancy Week which we talked about um, mm-hmm. uh, on last week's live and there's uh, the Fecal Festival and there's the Ennis Trad Fest and Listun Varna used to have a festival but yeah. it, it doesn't exist anymore but that doesn't change the fact that the song Listun Varna by Christy Moore is uh, refer- referencing this or mm-hmm. talking about this festival. Yeah. Christy Moore was a regular at the Liston Varna Festival in the 80s and he was always one of the main acts and people loved to see Christy at the festival. But the particular year that he wrote this song, he knew that he was going to be playing before Rory Gallagher, who was probably one of the most prolific guitarists in the world at the time. Rory Gallagher, folks, if you don't know who he is, you're going to need to find out because he is up there with the likes of Jimi Hendrix. And there's a there's an ongoing story where at Woodstock, Jimi Hendrix was asked how, how it feels to be the greatest guitar player in the world. And Jimi Hendrix said, I don't know, ask Rory Gallagher. <laughs> <laughs> but whether that is true or not, I don't know. But I've heard that story many times. So Christy was supporting Rory Gallagher at the festival and he didn't know how he was going to hold on to the crowd because he's one man singing folk songs with a guitar and Rory Gallagher is Rory Gallagher. So he decided he was going to write the song, a song about where he was going and where he was playing. And on his website, as it says here, the original version of the song was more chaotic and referred to a series of events that took place on the way down to West Clare to play at the festival. There was a break-in to Port Leash Prison to serenade friends, a savage feed at the old Treaty Stone Diner in Limerick where a card school broke out and Dickie Rock went all in on a pair of threes. <laughs> so now for you, Dickie Rock, folks, just so you know, was a very famous show band singer back in the day as well in Ireland. Before we get to all of that, Christian, you mentioned Listunverna is a spa town. Yeah. And it's still very famous as a spa town. We have the Royal Spa Hotel, but the town has Ireland's only functioning natural spa. We have a sulphur well in Listunverna where there's a sulfuric spring. Congratulations. <laughs> I don't know how or, proud or, we should be of it, but... Sorry, I, w- what I meant to say was deadly. <laughs> but in the 1800s through to the early 1900s, Listunarna was very famous as a place where people would go to drink the sulfuric spa waters of Listunarna because it was known as a remedy for arthritis, rheumatism, hepatitis, gout, consumption, dyspepsia, (laughs) scorbutic affections, according to the Irish Times. But, as they say here, uh, no other spa in Europe other than the bad Weilbeck in Germany has lithium in its sulphur spring. 
To this probable constituent is attributed the striking effects of the water. Now, I've heard from my grandparents and from my mother that if you even smelled this water, you would puke your ring up. <laughs> it supposedly smelled and tasted like vomit. And if you drank it, you would vomit. Which is why, according to my family who have experienced it, they said... You drink it and then you throw up and then you immediately feel better anyway because you've just thrown up. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that is the, the spa water of Listimverna. But the Royal Spa Hotel is still there. I don't know how many people make the journey, especially for the water these days or if it even still exists. But it was famous for a very, very long time until I was young even in the 90s. It was <laughs> famous for the sulfuric spa water and everyone used to travel there to drink the shitty pissy water and um, shit out of it (laughs) (laughs) and throw up everywhere but yeah spa town and interestingly enough Christian the hotel down there the spa hotel is also where Planksty had their very first reunion oh really Planksty reunified under the name the Muggs gig because they didn't want anyone to know that Planksty were thinking about reforming and they did several nights in the spa hotel under that name to see how it would go and if it went well they were going to reform and they did and they did a series of concerts in 2004 which became Planksty Live 2004 the DVD and the album so yeah Listoon Varna plays a bigger part in folk music than you would think Ah, Listoon Varna <laughs> Listoon Listoon Varna yeah so if anyone wants to go down there and drink some disgusting water and feel or, better or just themselves. pints yeah there's pints there too well not at the moment but there's usually points yeah. <laughs> and, ba- and a bathhouse and special rooms and all sorts of things next time I'm over Josh I would love to take a, a short trip to Listenvarna just to <laughs> smell the smell uh, <laughs> I've actually never smelled it myself I don't know if it still happens but I'm sure it does we could, we could go like and find date. out Sounds like a date. <laughs> Speaking anyway. of dates, Listunverna is also the most famous town for matchmaking. There is actually one of the most famous festivals in this country still takes place to this day in Listunverna. Aside from the one we talked about already, oh. every year they have the matchmaking festival, where the, where the last matchmaker in Ireland still survives and exists and runs the matchmaking festival in Listunverna every year, where hundreds. And possibly thousands of eligible bachelors and bachelorettes head down there for the week to drink the shit out of it and meet each other and go shifting and kissing and dancing and drinking and doing all that good stuff. And there's always a winner at the end where the the your man, I can't remember his name, makes a match and you have the winners of the festival, the the woman and the man. And is is this the festival that that has its own movie coming now? Yes, it actually is. That's that's brilliant, and w- with with Michael Martin and David Cashin playing yeah, in the, the lads from the band, yeah, the Kilkennys, they were playing in the movie. Um, what's the name of the movie? I can't oh. even remember. <laughs> I think Mr. we mentioned Marner. the movie in the um, in one of our previous. We did. Episodes. I'm just as luck would have it. There it is. As luck it's actually, would have it. It's actually out already on Hallmark. Apparently on the Hallmark Channel. As luck would have it, it was filmed. All around Ireland, really, but it's based on a story based on the Listunverna Matchmaking Festival. That is brilliant. So, folks, if you're feeling like you need to look for love, you can head to Listunverna as well. As you're going to hear from the lyrics of this feckin' song, Listunverna has a little bit of everything all of the time. <laughs> 
in the words of Bo Burnham. <laughs> Little bit of everything all of the time. <laughs> yeah, before we go into the lyrics, Josh, um, I know we mention Christy Moore pretty much every episode because he has a version of pretty much every uh, song out there, uh, folk song, and his versions are very often the versions that make a song famous but but just a little bit about christy moore who was or is this famous and legendary folk singer and songwriter from ireland (laughs) like how you had to think about it he's from county kildare kildare yeah newbridge as far as i know (coughs) and he would have started out his working career uh, working in the banks of all places. And he actually worked in the bank for a little while in Tulla in County Clare, believe it or not. And when the banks went on strike, he gave that up and he went over to England and he decided to pursue folk singing. And he got he fell in with the English folk clubs and the bands that were touring, such as the Furies and all of those good bands. And he ended up playing the scene and getting better and better known. He made his first album with Dominic Behan, who was Brendan Behan's brother, who was a prolific songwriter in his own right. And his first album became quite well known over in England. But it wasn't until he came back to Ireland that things got interesting. His first album on coming back to Ireland was made in County Kildare in a town called Prosperous, in a big old house that belonged to a family member, And he immediately went on the hunt for some old friends and musicians that he had played with over the years who ended up forming a band with him after the success of this particular album. Can you see where I'm going with this? Yes, I can. Tell (laughs) it to the audience. Prosperous, to me, is the epitome of the folk music revival in Ireland. It had already started in England. The folk clubs were thriving. Ireland was a little bit slower to the hop, That's because most of Ireland's best musicians were in England (laughs) at the time. But when Christy came back and decided to make this album, you had this whole plethora of other stuff going on. So Christy got a man called Andy Irvine and another old school friend called Donald Lunny. And another man from County Kildare who was an old friend who was very well known in the town as a piper called Liam O'Goflynn to come and join join the making of the album. So they recorded a whole album of songs, several of which made it on to the next album that they made together under the title Planksty. <gasps> woo! Planksty, woo! <sighs> so yeah, the, the, the making of the album Prosperous kind of founded the band Planksty, which who went on to be international superstars in their own right, <laughs> Yeah, in terms of folk music. But then Christy went on and over the years, like he just made a name for himself again and again and again. After Planksty, he was in Moving Hearts. After Moving Hearts, he had probably the most successful solo career of any Irish ballad singer-songwriter in history, to be honest. He formed a duo with Declan Sinnott and they're still going. They're still going strong. The man has made probably every Irish folk song you've ever heard famous through releasing them and recording them as you said and he's just he's just one of the top boys when it comes to this stuff <laughs> yeah do you know uh, yeah it's been, been, been immensely important for the rest of the scene through through him himself like he, he yep. said prosperous came out in 1972 if i'm not mistaken i went out of the yeah released in 72 and then 
Planck's D, obviously, like, prosperous is the reason that Planck's D exists in many ways. Yeah. And Planck's D is to thank for, in, to a high degree, why we have the folk music, the idea of, of Irish music that we mm -hmm. have today. And One the of blending the with other cultures and songs and yeah. arranging well, things in that way. Using using other instruments and, and com just even something that seems so so normal today as to to mix tunes and songs. Yep. Even and not even just within the same the same piece of music, but in the same band even. <laughs> that they're doing both, that they yeah. they have a piper and a guitarist <laughs> and um and uh, Christy played Bowron as well, and mandolin and bazooki, all in one package, and playing and mixing tunes yeah. and songs. Uh, the arrangements, the, the arrangements were ahead of their time, and that kind of kick-started the whole movement in terms of arranging modern versions of Irish folk music in the first place, I think, and using strange time signatures and strange key signatures and strange instruments and yeah. all of that kind of stuff. And just to bring it round in a circle, Christian, when they first started out in the late 60s, early 70s, playing together in O'Donoghue's and recording in Kildare, they used to spend most of their time down in, you guessed it, West Clare and North Clare on the coast in Listimvarna, Milltown Malbay, Doolan, all these places. And if you listen to some of their music, I would say a good scalp of their songs are about West Clare. They literally have songs called The West Coast of Clare oh. and My Heart is Tonight in Ireland in the Sweet County Clare. Yeah. <laughs> but all the lyrics of all these songs are about spending time with each other down in West Clare. And yeah. Sleeping in hay barns and playing music with all of the best musicians of the time. Because it was where all the folk musicians of the 60s and 70s in Ireland used to flock. For some reason, there was an epicentre in Doolan, Milton Malbay, Spanish Point, of all the top Irish folk musicians in the world, not only in Ireland, in the world, and they would all gather down there. I don't know if it was because of the Willie Clancy Festival or something else, because they were there all year round, but that's where they spent their time. Fantastic. What, there must what have been would a you have given to be there? Like, <laughs> oh. I know, yeah. It's amazing. But there was a story about them playing a session or something and some lad getting fecked out of the pub. And when Christy went back into the jacks, the young lad climbed in the bathroom window, the tiny, like the size of my laptop there, just a <laughs> tiny little window. He climbed in the bathroom window and went back in drinking pints. And it turned out to be Luke Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. That Some is crack. absolutely amazing. Yeah. But yeah, that's where the origins of all these songs about Claire come from and Liston Varna and Christy Moore and all that stuff. So Christy in particular, this remember this was almost twenty years, ten to fifteen years after the original infamous Planksty days and the early albums and all that kind of stuff. So he's gone solo at this point. He still plays with Moving Hearts. Moving Hearts is still in its early days. But he's also got a fairly kick-started, fairly good solo career at this point. So he writes Listum Varna to support Rory Gallagher because he doesn't know how the feck he's going to appeal to the crowd. 
And apparently, no, I wasn't there on the day or anything. I was very young at the time. <laughs> but <laughs> apparently that Liston Varna and Christy Moore went down better than Rory Gallagher himself. And I'm not surprised. Jesus. Like, if you're in Liston Varna for the first time, scuttered in a field hearing this song and it, the chorus is literally, Oh, Liston Varna! <laughs> I'm pretty sure that the whole fucking place is going to be screaming it. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And and speaking of of uh, Planckstein, weird rhythms and and different time signatures and and different sounds and like you said, this is the closest you'll get to to an Irish trad rap. Yeah. It is it's very intense and high energy, high tempo, and you get sucked in. <laughs> But what is, what in all the world, we have talked about festivals so much, but what is the contents of the song like? (laughs) Let's go for it. I know we don't usually analyse lyrics too much, but I think this song lends itself well to kind of running through it a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Just having a look at what the fake we're dealing with here, because like we said, there's a rap in here, so there's a lot in it. Um, Where are we? How's it going, everybody? Cork, New York, Dundalk, Ortahawk and Glenamedy. So, well, we know where we're at. County Clare, blah, blah, blah. It's a long way from here to there. What song does that reference, Mr. Dugstad? That references Clare to Hair. Uh, oh, what's his name again? Ralph McTell. Yeah, Ralph McTell. It's a long way from Clare to Hair. Fantastic <laughs> song that we need to to cover. Yeah, so Christy's getting in there clever out from the beginning. Yeah. The Burren and the Cliffs of Moher, the Tulla and the Kilfenora. So the burn is the landscape in North Clare, which very much looks like another planet. And it actually features in one of the Star Wars movies, interestingly enough. But if you ever get the chance to visit that, it's fantastic. There's limestone up there. And where you would expect to see grass in a field, there's just rock. Yeah, the the burn is actually also, if you look at the Clare uh, coat, coat of arms, I believe that... Uh, the burn is represented by the rose for some okay. reason in, in the coat of arms for Claire. Interesting. But I'm yeah, sure go, on, go on, go on, go well, on. The burn is also a nature preserve. It's a preserved place because there is a couple of hundred species of flower that is not found anywhere else in the world that is in the burn, which is really interesting. But... Yeah, interesting. It's the burn. The Cliffs of Moher, as I'm sure you know, are one of our biggest, literally biggest and famously big <laughs> cliffs in this country. And it's one of the biggest attractions in Ireland in terms of tourists. We have the biggest cliffs in Europe, folks. I'm pretty sure they stand at around between 700 and 800 feet. Visit Ireland. <laughs> Definitely worth a visit. Um... If you're from America and you've seen the likes of Yosemite, probably not as exciting, but still pretty beautiful to look at, if, if I do say so myself. Absolutely. <coughs> and then he says the Tulla and the Kilfenora. Now, Tulla and Kilfenora are both towns in Ireland. But notice how he says the Tulla the, the. and the Kilfenora. These refer to Cayley bands. Yes. Yo! Up the banner. So the, the Tulla and the Kilfenora Cayley bands are some of the most famous and longest running Cayley bands in history. The Kilfenora is actually one of the longest running Cayley bands in history. It's been going for over 100 years. Wow. 
and the Tulla Kelly Band is also one of the top Kelly bands in Ireland and they're still going too and they've both won countless All-Irelands and toured all over the world. The Tulla Kelly Band was actually the first band to play Irish music across the Atlantic. They were invited to play in Carnegie Hall in New York. And there was, a big, there was a big hullabaloo and rigmarole about them flying out of Shannon Airport in Clare and flying back in. <laughs> and a big ceremony. And then he mentions a few people. Michael Russell, Dr. Bill, Willie Clancy and Noel Hill. Who's Michael Russell, Christian? D- don't, don't ask me. <laughs> Who's Michael Russell? Michael Russell is a very, very famous, well, was a very, very famous traditional whistle player from Doolin. All right. And he is still, to this day, probably considered one of the most prolific Irish whistle players. Dr. Bill? Um, is is that Lochnan's father? That's Billy Lochnan's father, yeah. Dr. That Bill. is absolutely amazing. Billy <coughs> Lochnan is, um, was, I guess, he's not running the hostel anymore, is he, Josh? I actually have no idea. I presume yeah. so. Lochnan's oh, hostel. Okay. I would say so. But I might be wrong. I, th- I, th- I think it's called Clare Eco Lodge yes. now. Wasn't it always? Maybe it was. Well, anyway, Billy Lucknan is or was running Lucknan's hostel in Fakel City Centre. <laughs> Fakel Main Street, where we uh, had our first, uh, our first uh, bash together at the Fakel Festival in 2011. Mm-hmm. He Great certainly spot. was. He's one of the those people in an Irish village that does every job. He's the undertaker and the solicitor and the restaurant owner and the hostel owner. And he's a man of many talents and a very, very kind man that's looked after us anytime we've ever been out there. So yeah. Nans is always worth the visit and fecal folks. Dr. Bill, his dad, was a very well known politician who at one point ran for president in Ireland, believe it or not. Did he now? He that certainly did. He didn't oh. win. <laughs> but he did, yeah. He ran against another Clare man, actually. I think I think it was Sean Lamass, if I'm hmm. not mistaken. And the other Clare man became the president. But we won't talk about that because the Loch Nans are lovely people. Willie Clancy, the man that another big festival is based on. The Willie Clancy Festival. Shock horror with the name. Yeah, Willie Clancy was a very prolific Illum Piper from West Clare, from Milltown Malbay, and Noel Hill. Noel Hill is the only one of those four people that's still alive. Noel Hill is a very, very famous concertina player from Clare. And Noel isn't isn't all that old, actually. But Noel is a great musician, and it's definitely worth checking out some of his music as well. He has an album with uh, Tony Lennon, which is incredible in terms of Irish music. Have you heard of Noel Hill, Christian? Yeah, and I googled him now as well. He's is um, born in nineteen fifty eight, so he's not that all old at all, yeah. actually. And he's played with the uh, with your one of your mentors, Kieran Hanrahan, as well. He has, yeah. Noel has played with everyone, and he still teaches at the Willie Clancy Festival every year. Interestingly enough, and Noel is um, what was I going to say? Oh yeah, Noel, believe it or not, was. A member of Planksty in the later days. Was he? He was in the 80s, in the Paul Brady days, after Christie had already left. Noel oh. Hill actually performed with them as well. Fantastic. 
there was a whole new lineup in the eighties that um never really lasted very long, but they were there. They existed, folks. <laughs> and then my fa- my favorite line in the whole song: "Flutes and fiddles everywhere. <laughs> if it's music you want, you should go to Clare." <laughs> Up the banner. <laughs> but that's the first verse. There's a there's a lot to kind of dissect in there, but everything he talks about in this song, it's something I love. Like everything he talks about means something or comes from something or somewhere. He doesn't just throw a lot of words together for no reason, you know. Except when he says random things like "everybody needs a break, <laughs> climb a mountain, or jump in a lake." <laughs> or yeah, sometimes he does a few diddly diddles, all right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he goes on to say that people go off to places that are exotic, like the Galway races, no. <laughs> the south of France, Jim goes to the dogs, Peter goes to the dance. Cousin of mine goes potholing. Potholing is another word for caving, folks, if you go down into the caves. Cousin of hers loves Joe Dolan. Joe Dolan was a very prolific show band singer in Ireland. He died several years ago. One of the considered one of the best voices to ever come out of this country. He was a fantastic singer. Um, some jet off to Frihiliana. Where's Frihiliana? Because I have no idea. Frihiliana. Jesus, that's a Google. Uh, Google. Google dee Google dee. Frihiliana. Frihiliana. Well, I'm I'm getting a hit on. Oh, there Fri- it is. Town Fri- in Spain. Giliana with the G instead of a... Ah, uh, yeah. And in Spanish, they would pronounce yeah. that. Frigiliana. So. Yeah. So in Malaga. Interesting. A city and a municipality in Malaga. Malaga, great place. Visit yeah. it if you can. <laughs> Lovely uh, <laughs> wine. Christy did his research by the sounds of it. Um, yeah, so what I love about this song that is that he just name drops as many fucking people as he can and places so that anyone in the audience is covered. Like at <laughs> some point in this song, everyone in the audience is going to at some point go, whoa, I know that thing that he's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> A little bit of everything all the time. Again, that Bo Burnham quote. <laughs> yeah. Thursday nights with me tent and ground sheet, Christian. Oh. Did you ever head off with your tent and ground sheet? I, I have, yeah. I have to fecal and, and other places, but I that's when when I really feel included there when he goes I, I always leave on the Thursday night with my tent and my ground sheet ro- rolled up tight. I like to hit list dune in around Friday afternoon. That gives me time to get the tent up and my gear together. I don't need to worry about the weather. Ramble in for a pint of stout. You'd never know who'd be hanging about. It's like and once you do it's one so line, true. you you have to go keep going as well like. Yeah. It's so true though like cuz even last weekend me and my brother and my friend Pierce packed up tents and we headed off to West Clare, of all places. We actually spent a day in Istanbul, but we were in Doolin and then we were out in Inishir. And the funny thing is, you do, you get the tent up and then you head in for a pint and you literally could meet anyone. I met a huge group of my friends who I used to play music with in Dublin and one of them was getting married and we ended up at the wedding. <laughs> no way. Yeah, in the Doolin Hotel last Sunday night. Literally, my friends from a very well-known band called Perfect Friction were over there and Courtney was getting married in the Doolin Hotel and I was aware that she was getting married, but I had no idea she was in Clare. That is amazing. And the whole band was there and they invited us for a session in the residence bar. 
Fantastic. So we ended up as part of the wedding party having tunes and crack. And that's just the epitome of Irish festivals. Literally, it wasn't even a festival. It was just rambling in for a pint of stout. So you'd never know who'd be hanging about. And we end up playing tunes with our friends for the night who we hadn't seen in a year, a year and a half. Can I ask you, were you drinking pints to bait the band? (laughs) There might have been a bit of that, yeah. Because sure, why wouldn't you? Sure isn't a grand. You're getting it for nothing. (laughs) I love that in the live version as well when he says the lads are drinking pints to bait the band or why wouldn't they for Jesus sake aren't they getting it for nothing because all the Irish musicians don't often pay for pints when they're playing he has a few digs at Bono there he has a few digs at Finbar Finbar Fury and Jim Hand and all of them lads and sure isn't it grand (laughs) yeah and this is literally then is when he starts just name dropping everything he can think of that you see at a festival like, you want to describe an Irish festival in the 80s? Motorbikes, high-ace vans, bottles, barrels, flagons, cans, mighty crack, loads of frolics, pioneers and alcoholics, <laughs> and plaque and spuck, and the FCA, and Freenie Kelly, and the IRA, hairy <laughs> chests, milk white ties, Mickey Dodgers in disguise, McGraths, O'Briens, Pippins, Coxes, massage parlours, and horse boxes. I'm going to stop you at that one. Just picture a massage parlour inside a horse box. Isn't that fucking brilliant? <laughs> <laughs> Aurons, Baurons, Amadons, Arab Sheiks, Hindu Sikhs, Jesus Freaks, RTE, who are the Irish national broadcaster. They're making tapes, they're taking breaks, they're throwing shapes. This is heaven, this is hell. Sure, who cares? Who can tell? And went for the last few chalk ices. I don't know what that means, but people keep saying that that is actually a famous saying from someone. Anyone for the last few chalk ices. And I'd love to know if anyone out there listening knows what the reference to chalk ice actually is. Please tell me. Because I've been curious for years. <laughs> there's Maybe I there's just a whole ask Reddit thread here. <laughs> do you, do you about, want me to read it? About the chalk ices? Yeah. Tell me. Lay it on me. Anyone know what the saying means? I know Christy Morse uh, sings it in Liston Varna and it gets good reception. But where does it come from? What does it mean? Um, Baldy Bogman answers. It's simply a reference to the hawkers at festivals and football matches selling ice cream. Chalk ices were common. And every <laughs> chalk ice uh, was in the last few to get you to panic purchase. But I think that there was a musician and his nickname was Chalk Ice. Okay. I might be wrong, but I, I really need to figure that out because he's referencing someone. I know that like the, the irony of it is that that's also true about the punters trying to sell the ice creams at the festivals. And they would actually say, anyone for the last few Chalk Ices now. But aside from that, I'm almost certain that there was a, that's a reference to a person. Okay, interesting. So if anyone out there has any info on that, Christy, if you're listening, send me a feckin' message. For feck's sake, I've messaged you for years on your website. (laughs) (laughs) Josh, the Christy stalker. Yeah, no, not in a weird way. Just in a a fangirl way. I just just read the things you wrote going to bed when I was three years old. That's all. (laughs) Not in the weird way. (laughs) Yeah. Before the Chieftains start to play, seven creamy pints came out in a tray. That sounds good to me. Oh, I miss those days. Those days are coming back, Josh. <laughs> Shergar was written by Lord Lucan, the two most infamous disappearances in Irish history. Shergar was a racehorse that was stolen and a ransom was held for £2 million, but the money was never paid and the horse was never found. Lord Lucan 
was a man who disappeared after his, was it his landlady or his maid was murdered? Mm, you told me about this just before we hit record. I had never heard of the stories, but I seem to remember the you nanny. saying maid. But the children's nanny, Sandra Rivet. So yeah. she had been killed and no one knew who did it. But the seventh earl, Lord Lucan, disappeared immediately afterwards and was never seen again. So there was two very ironic disappearances going on there and Christie decided he'd cash in on him in Liston Varna because he wrote Shurgar was ridden by Lord Lucan. <laughs> <laughs> so the two most infamously missing people. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that's good stuff. Some just great name dropping song. It's one of those typical songs that everybody loves because of the name dropping, like Dancing at the Crossroads for the Wexford Hurlers, just named the entire Wexford Hurling team that won the All-Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> you have all the musicians there, Sean Cannon from the Dubliners, Clonard were playing Harry's Game, Christy was singing Nancy Spain, I think he's talking about himself. Sounds like <laughs> it, yeah. Mary O'Hare and Brush Shields, Brush Shields had a band called Skid Row, which is where Phil Linnet of Tin Lizzy would have played before Thin Lizzy. Yeah. Uh, Van the Man, Van Morrison, Emmy Lou Harris, Moving Hearts and Planksty too. Ooh, Christy keeps <laughs> giving himself some nice little plugs there. <laughs> and then it goes, Oh, Listoon Varna. Listoon, 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 Listoon Varna. Poetic stuff. <laughs> Poetic. Yep. Sean Doherty goes to the Rosa Tralee and then in the live version, Christy says, and Oliver J. Flanagan, God be good to him, he used to go swimming bollock naked in the Holy Sea. <laughs> The Rose of Tralee, Josh, is is yeah. that like a beauty competition? It actually is. It's probably, I don't know if it's the only one, but in my knowledge, it's the only kind of well-known beauty pageant in Ireland. I wouldn't even call it a beauty pageant. It's kind, well, it's kind of just a pageant in the essence of the word. It's not like the crazy mad shite that you see in America, you know. It's more of a tradition thing. It would have started out as, oh, what was it called? Hang on, I have to check this. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you watch Father Ted, Christian? Uh, a bit of it. Have you seen the episode about the lovely girls competition? No, but you've talked about it. So Father Ted is hired in the episode as a judge of the lovely girls competition where they have to do things like make tea and wear a nice outfit and make dinner. And they, they just have to talk about silly, like really stereotypical Irish housewife type of stuff. But that was a satirical spoof of the Irish housewife of the year, which was a television pageant that Gay Byrne used to host between 1968 and 1995, where I'm just going to read off the Wikipedia. Candidates were judged on the basis of Cookery, nurturing, and basic household management <laughs> skills. What the fuck? <laughs> a series of regional heats produced six finalists. The main task in the final was cooking a meal for four within a two-hour period. Jesus. The host would then interview the contestants with personality, appearance, sense of humour, interests, and civic spirit taken into account by the judges. Contestants would also list achievements, such as charity work. So Gay Byrne used to interview these girls on the stage for the housewife of the year competition to see which one made the best wife and spent the best amount of time in the kitchen jesus this is not very pc <laughs> this this yeah 
I'm sorry to be the one to tell you folks, but Ireland was a different place up until the 90s. We're a bit more progressive these days. Yeah, thank God. But, um, so the Rose of Tralee stemmed from the Irish Housewife of the Year. And it was kind of a pageant in every sense of the word, a hell of a lot more PC and more inclusive than the Housewife of the Year competition. And it was more based on specific talents and all all the, of the usual stuff you see in a pageant. But the they Rose could also does it doesn't that still exist? Yep. Yeah. And it and I think it might it might actually predate the Housewife of the Year as well, but it kind of took the place of the Housewife of the Year in terms of popularity. Just checking when the Rose Tralee is on. It's on every year. Yeah, but is it soon? Because if so... <laughs> oh, the Rose Tralee Festival has been cancelled for the second year in a really? row due to COVID-19. Uh. <laughs> so, but yeah, sorry, sorry the, lads. The name of the festival actually comes from the famous song. Yeah. She was lovely and fair like the roses of the summer, but it was not her beauty alone that won me. Oh no, twas the truth in her eyes ever shining that made me love Mary, the Rose of Tralee. <laughs> but yeah. So that's where uh, that's where the name for the pageant came from, the song. And it's actually a beautiful song. I'm sorry for mocking it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, that is the Rose of Tralee, which Christy mentioned. Sorry, I'm, I'm losing myself now. No, you're grand, you're grand. And then... The, it, there are only four lines left and I feel like they're yeah they they, they sum it up well 100% but again like some of my favourite lines yeah, actually on, probably I know I said the other ones were my favourites but these two lines in particular I like my music in the open air so every summer I go to Clare up the yeah. bar <laughs> Woodstock Knock or the Feast of Cana can hold a match to Listoon Varna. Woodstock <sighs> is obviously Woodstock Festival. Knock is a town in Mayo that's very, very famous for holidays, but religious themed holidays, because there's a shrine in Knock where two children claim to have seen the Blessed Virgin Mary appear to them in a field. And then many years later, the statue of Mary that was put in that place started crying and television cameras flocked to the area. And it became very famous. <laughs> okay, interesting. Do you, do you know the stories, Christian, of the crying statues? No. There was uh, a is 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 this the thing that is um, parodied by? Is it South Park with the bleeding Mary? It it actually probably is. Yeah. With with Mary. And the menstruation. In, in yeah, South Park. It sounds similar, yeah. In Ireland over the 70s and 80s, there was a plethora of shrines to Mary around the country that started crying and weeping. And some of them cried blood and some of them cried water. But people flocked from far and near to see the statues weeping. Interesting. What really happened? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> um... I just imagine some, the, some lad running around like, there's a with documentary a syringe about it. of blood just <laughs> every but night. There actually is a documentary about it. 
like it's probably rained. I'm not gonna lie. It probably rained. Yeah. <laughs> but um it gave a lot of people back then hope and drove their fears away when they saw that these things were happening. <laughs> they had no idea COVID was common. Ah yeah. Well, I like my music in the open air too, and I hope I can go back to to that very soon. And back to Clare. Me oh. too, Christian. Well, I'm in Clare, but there's not much happening where I am at the moment. Yeah. Just the huge. The huge. Just the huge. <laughs> I'm getting pretty tired. Yeah. <laughs> the sun has, it hasn't set far from it, but it's disappeared behind the tree crowns outside my window no more uh, exciting summer's day no summer's day is, is fading away but it feels like the the darkness is creeping up on us and like the headliner show is gonna go ahead in an hour <laughs> or so so it's time to just lay down on the grass and get, get a little bit of rest eat a like a moose kebab or other <laughs> typical Norwegian festival food or a chicken burger and feed Wait, ha- hang on, hold up. What the fuck is a moose kebab? It's literally a kebab using moose meat. <laughs> you eat moose? Oh yeah, you can eat moose, yeah. What does it taste like? <laughs> like any other game. Gamey. Game? Yeah, ga- as, in, as in animals you catch yeah. outside... Yeah, I know. I'm just thinking. This this sounds ludicrous. It's to it's, me. A, it's a huge. It's it's a huge animal. Isn't a, isn't a moose like bigger than a horse? Aren't they fucking massive? Yeah, we call them the king of the wood over here. <laughs> king of the wood. But yeah, yeah. no. Th- I honestly I can't say that I've had so much moose or moose so recently that I would be able to give you an accurate description of what moose tastes like but I d- my next question is why have I been in Norway so much and never had a moose kebab I such a thing like I've only ever had a moose kebab at uh, at a festival where do we get one of these I can google it if you want fuck this fuck COVID I'm coming over because you want a moose kebab I know. I don't know. It sounds interesting. <laughs> I think I you're gonna like, be like. I like kebabs. Yeah. No, the kebabs are fine. Uh, <laughs> are you telling me I'm gonna be underwhelmed? Yeah. There's even on a Norwegian cookery page called gott.no, which means good.no. There's <laughs> there's a a recipe for a, a moose kebab in pita bread. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm not going to be able to get the meat for that. And you need... Moose isn't so readily available in Ireland. 400 grams of flat moose steak. Hang on, I'll just go out the back here into the woods with a knife and find one. (laughs) (laughs) And here's a famous Norwegian um, chef, Lisa Finkenagen, which I used to have uh, as a regular visitor in a radio show that I worked in, uh, making moose kebab... In yeah, on on a video we can put the video in the show notes <laughs> if it's interesting. Probably if if there's anyone listening from 
from like the northern states in in America there's or Canada there's probably possibilities of getting moose it's so interesting like I've spent time in Montana and up around Washington state and there's moose around there but I've never heard of it being eaten this is all new and weird to me <laughs> well there are a um, good few hits on Google if you if you Google <laughs> elg kebab elg being the Norwegian <laughs> word word for for uh, for moose we, we better put a little warning in there for vegetarians at the start of that little segment <laughs> yeah but then again like if if you're gonna eat any animal then than eating something wild that has been shot out in the free should probably be be better. True. The we poor are old moose. It's derailing fast, but yeah, <laughs> moose kebab, and then <laughs> I'll, I'll change the title of the, this episode to moose kebabs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna put that moose kebab into me, and then get a few points, and then go watch the headline act of the festival that I'm imagining that I'm at. And who is the headlining act? Well, it is Planksty, reunioned, and Liam O'Flynn is back from uh, no. Is that what is that his name? Yeah, yeah. Liam O'Flynn, back from down below. Liam O'Flynn is is back from from down below or up above, <laughs> all considering. Poor old uh, Liam. I actually had the privilege of being on stage with Liam once in my life before he passed away. That sounds amazing. And I really, really wish that I had known who Planksty were when they played in Lauren Ennis in two thousand and four. Because it's probably the most influential album and DVD that I've ever seen in my life in terms of my own music. Yeah. So yeah, thanks for that, lads. <laughs> Christy and Donal and Andy and Liam, wherever yeah. you may be. Ach, ach well, ach well. Asher, bigara, bigash, that's the way the world works. Yeah. At least you got to see Mumford and Sons outside in Ga- Galway. True. Very true. We won't pass up these opportunities anymore, Christian. When no. they come. When they come back, we're we're heading straight out, no messing. <laughs> That's it. I think we're coming close. I think we are. Because do you want to do gone. the honors? The honors? <clears throat> oh Listoon Varna. <laughs> well I was Listoon, gonna Listoon. <laughs> Listoon, Listoon I, Varna. I was talking about the, the housekeeping, the thing. but okay. <laughs> I know, I'm only joking. Folks, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening to our sleepy ramblings this evening about festivals and Claire and Christie and Planksty and Moose Burgers. I mean, Moose, what, what were they? Kebabs. Kebabs. And all sorts of other things in between. A little bit of everything all of the time. That's what you'll find on Tora Laura with Christian and Josh Funkel. But we are online. We are on our all social media platforms. Instagram at Tora Laura Podcast. Facebook. Get up there to the search engine. Type in T2OZRA. And you will find us. Like Christian said, we're not the children's clothing brand from America. But we're something along those lines. <laughs> you will also be able to email 
<laughs> words. <laughs> you will also be able to email us at Tura Podcast at gmail.com. Two O's in Tura, two O's in Laura, one O in Podcast, one O in Com. And <laughs> Christian's flexing his muscles here. What are you at? <laughs> but yeah, um, what else? Reviews, please, Apple Podcasts, all of that good stuff. We love to see those sweet, sweet reviews. And we want voicemails. We voicemails. Want re- we want messages. We want festival stories. We want all of that madness. We want lyrics. We want suggestions for guests. We're getting there. We have a couple of guests to bring up in the next couple of weeks. And we have the dates planned. We have a few dates in the diary, folks, and a few songs for all of you requestees as well are coming up so don't forget to tune in for all of that good stuff in the time to come thanks for listening guys hang loose and tour lura <laughs> mind your flaps guys tour lura <sighs> <sighs> Be God or be golly, be gosh, and be Jesus and all that.